0: what is up everyone thank you for sticking through those commercial breaks i am excited to introduce our guest for today it is none other than lord of jorts himself the professional hype man founder and ceo of going parabolic he is jason williams boss daddy and king norris what is that my guy?
1: you you know what just end the show after of that that's awesome
0: <laughs> oh man like in all, in all honesty, I, I am fucking around a little bit, but not wholeheartedly when I gave you that introduction, but how would you, what did I miss? How would you describe yourself?
1: I don't, you know, I don't think you miss much other than like me being better looking than you.
0: <laughs> well, now I just know you're full of shit. So. Uh,
1: this is so dangerous. I feel like, yeah, just
0: you're let loose today. Dude, this no. was a bad idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> truly, I... I didn't speak up when everyone was like, wait, so like, what's the plan on the day where like both P and Chris are on vacation? I was like, yeah, I'm just, I got this. Yeah.
1: I think, and you know, the times when YouTube channels get banned and all of Twitter gets mad and they fight for you. But I think when this gets banned today, everyone's not going to fight for you. They're just going to, they're just going to understand that. Yeah. There's a there's reason why.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that like, fuck that kid. Yeah. No, he exactly. definitely did something to fuck himself over, but we got a jam packed day. And I just want to sort of talk to you about how are you doing in the bear market?
1: Yeah, interesting. It's yeah, you know, I think I've been here. I've been I I feel like I've lived more in the bear market than the bull market. But yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I think I love the last story I, I was tuning in. You know, I think it's what's not being I don't know, maybe in the bubble that I live in. But I think Celsius is really it should I think it should be on more people's radar, right? Like, you know, are, is it uh, is it fair to say they're one of the biggest Bitcoin mining companies in the in the U.S. If not the biggest? I know Alex came on. He was on a podcast like six months ago, before all the drama, and he he actually made the statement that he was the biggest. But I've seen that challenged. But do we know where they where they stand? Not that it really matters, other than.
0: I think at this point. If Alex yeah. Mashinsky is your source, I probably <laughs> don't trust it. If I'm just bear. being co- honest bear. with you, like um, if someone bear. else, like if Jason Les came out and said, Celsius is our largest competitor. They are the largest Bitcoin mining business That's or right. just crypto mining business out there. Okay, yeah. Fred Teal. Right. Right. But if Mashinsky's be like, I, I am the best. I have the biggest... He yeah. probably has a micro penis just saying
1: yeah i get it he's got he's got a lifted f-250 diesel truck in the parking lot like but no i think i i you know I, I think it's interesting it's for me in this bear market i've it's caught my attention you know if we can agree they're substantial i mean wh- whether whatever you know they, they clearly hold a ton of assets uh and the bitcoin they were generating you know it you know if i've heard i've heard everything from five bitcoin a day to 15 bitcoin a day they were producing uh, plus, uh, I've heard a million different stories, but I think it's. Good. I, I'm really watching who's gonna, what's gonna happen, what the plan is, who's gonna scoop them up. I think, not necessarily. You know, you know, we always talk about Bitcoin doesn't give a fuck of, like about anything, but I think it, it'll be interesting if you see some. You know, I don't know. Like, is is this an opportunity for somebody like Jamie Dimon to jump in and say, "Hey, let me let me scoop this up and start changing things"? I don't know. I think you also, you know, you you brought up two earlier before I hopped on as well about, you know, I don't know these, you know, different mining companies and leveraging Bitcoin and getting into the market while this is, you know, and it's also like, I think if you put on that Bitcoin maxi hat a little bit too, I think that it's a little bit slippery of a slope to, you know, when you start seeing Bitcoin acting more as a security, right. And you start, you know, when you see, you know, I don't know, that's it's kind of a, it's a, it's a slippery well, slope.
0: let's unpack that. Like, what do you mean by Bitcoin acting like a security?
1: Well, I think we're st- You know, again, cliche, we're still so early, right? We're early, like, you know, a couple percent of the world owns it, whatever it is, but it knows about it. And so I think when you, when anybody hears about Bitcoin and we talk about trading initially, or if that's the first time they're exposed to it, they're not really going to ever, they're not going to be able to unpack really what Bitcoin is. And I think the more that we're tied to the system, and I think if you go back two, three, four years ago with like USCO and Pomp, and when they're going on mainstream media and everything that they're trying to kind of convince or preach is really like decoupling from the stock markets, decoupling from other assets out there, why it's strong. And then so, but I feel like we're, you know, because of the exposure now it's gotten now you're, it's kind of being adopted in a lot of these traditional legacy systems where again, if you're like that, if you have that ultra maxi hat on where you're like, no, we want to separate from all that. It's we're like, that's counterintuitive in my opinion, when we're trying to, I don't know, trying to apply it into more of like these standard traditional trading platforms again all exposure there's there's no such thing as bad marketing and i can see this argument from both ends i could literally sit here and argue with myself but you know i i I don't know i I think you want to be a little uh, you know a little careful what what you see happening in the markets with with bitcoin specifically
0: that's that's fair i mean i'm kind of curious because like you and i Eric if you haven't seen our first conversation on this show you should definitely take the time to go back I was just you know chilling on the beaches of Mexico and yeah. we were talking about and essentially Lord Norris came to me and asked me to to have confessions and confess his shit coin sins but like to your point yes there's a lot going on that is starting to have some like negative stories if you will but i'm with you all press is good press at the end of the day right you when we watch things like the sec go after coinbase for and then listing 10 different altcoins shit coins as securities or now you have uh, the doj going after tornado cash and more or less ethereum and then you're starting to realize like okay they are going after these things that at least Bitcoin maxis have been saying these are unregistered securities I wonder where you sit in the camp of like these are attacks that will eventually be used against Bitcoin
1: yeah I, I mean I think for sure obviously you know look it's it's easy to say as a as an American citizen right the government is slowly however trying to take more control and, and and regulate against that right and I think the beautiful part is you have some Bitcoiners that are, you know, in the political space that are, they're seeing the corruption, they're seeing, right, everything that we already know, the manipulation and stuff like that with our dollars and, and things like that. So, but at the end of the day, right, you know, the, the big league wins, the big guys are going are gonna to win and, you know, regulation is going to come in. And I, I don't think a lot of these, these lawmakers understand the impact and the potential impact that Bitcoin can have truly at the end of the day, separating from everything that they are built on, funded by, run managed and so on so yeah i mean i think you're exactly right when you see bitcoin tied to those top 10 cryptos on fox business right it's like oh geez and then i and then i'm trying to convince somebody on the street i'm trying to orange pill them and tell them like you yeah, look stop thinking about that you know stop when you turn on the news right that's you're, you're assuming that's reality and it's not so it does make it very tough but i think to your point i think at that point it makes it very easy to regulate and i think the more that right that's coupled with all the shit coins, and that's the news, and that's the message, and then it's traded like shit coins, and then it's leveraged against like shit coins, and we're pushing for these companies to go right whether we're pushing or not, they're they're gonna go public. You know, anybody's thinking about, you know, if you're if you're a mining company, somebody strokes you a check for a hundred million dollars and they, they create this whole package to go public. Guess what? Nine out of ten dudes, no matter how personal sovereignty they are, they're like, you know what, that's cool, but hundred million dollar check is even cooler, right? So it's as much as we want to say, you know, we're all good people until somebody strokes a big check for the most part. But uh, anyways, yeah. So I don't know. I think that's kind of my take on it.
0: No, that's fair. I mean, look, I, I'm just going to sound like a broken record to people who've been watching yeah. this show consistently, but like, this is this is not a cause for celebration. This is not a win for Bitcoin with these type of state attacks. Um mm. It'll, it's going to be interesting, I think, over the next two, possibly three years to see sort of what else gets developed. I mean, we have a midterm election. You're seeing different senators really start to run, advocate, and talk about Bitcoin on the political stage. I'm saving the pol- like the full-blown politics talk for for later in the show when, once I loosen him up once I loosen Lord Norris up we'll, we'll dive into the politics of it all. But like Bitcoin on the political stage at a certain point like it becomes a mainstream enough issue because the voter base is large enough. Where like what are your feelings are there any politicians who talk on Bitcoin and crypto that you're paying attention to what they do or say, or do you just not care about any of
1: them? You know, I love, you know, what, what like CJ and the guys at the BTC coalition are doing. I think they're awesome. And I've been a part and I've brought politicians to them, you know, to have conversations. God, though, in reality, like just in full transparency, man, it's, I think people jump on the train to try to think, you know, they're trying to get, if they can gain another 5% of votes, right? Like it's, it's tough. And, it, you know, and as a big corner, you want them talking about it. The other side, they're like, OK, if I talk about it, I'll get more votes and done deal. It's a win-win kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I don't know. And that's I, and that's why I love what the, you know, the BTC coalition is doing in that sense of arming these politicians who are interested with information. Now, whether they digest that, whether that's something they're going to live, breathe, I, I don't know. You know, it's it's tough. I I, I really I try to live. I try to live extremely open-minded and I also understand though that the system, we need to decouple ourselves from the system. So that's, that's more of the camp that I stand on. So when we talk about right markets and securities, you know, and we talk about politicians in those camps, I want to zoom out, right? Like, you know, my, my rant is, you know, the way I look at this and I've, I've told kind of a lot of people like this is, you know, as a society here, you know, we are basically like in an NFL stadium and you've got red and blue teams in the field. You've got everybody in the stands who are fighting with each other they're passionate about their one team they're killing each other you name it and over above you've got the nfl you got the league right who's like hey we're gonna this is a puppet show we're gonna you know we're, we're, we're gonna control we're gonna make the rules we're gonna figure out how everyone's paid all this right and so but nobody's looking up at the league like hey we're all being duped and everything so you know in the same sense of you've got these team leaders you've got these, you know which i would you know i would consider politicians they're all fighting for the system, right? That we understand is broken. So when we get down in those trenches of, of that, it's, I don't know, I think it's a guy is like, I think every, you know, they want to throw the Bitcoin flag, but you know, you could argue if you're really, if you're a politician to really throw the Bitcoin flag, you should fight against the party you're probably tied to. That's, that's, that's bold. Like, and I see Bitcoin, I see a lot of folks on Twitter, these, you know, different influencers and things, and they're jumping on these camps and they're, they're yelling at other camps and other sides. And I'm like, guys, you know this is really against everything that you believe in if bitcoin is the foundation and the solution to all of our problems in this world so i don't know i that's where that's where i get a little on edge when we talk about like who we're tracking and and what we're pushing like man i, I that's that's for me like yeah personal freedoms freedom money sovereignty like all those things you can't have that if you're if you're pushing for one team on the field
0: I, I wholeheartedly agree with you where I think I've been really stuck and and I really appreciate and I'm grateful for our friendship. I've reached out to you numerous times in the past where like like I've just said point blank, like, "Hey, I know we see fully opposite sides of one issue, but like can I just like hear hear your perspective and I'm grateful that you've shared it with me." And I'm I'm kind of like look, I I've admit this Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Twitter, Bitcoiners can cancel me. I always welcome that. Like I, I voted for Bernie twice in a row. Like I, like that is sort of the type of person that I've been in the past. I also am the type of person that now can recognize and say, "Oh, Bernie Sanders is dope. He is the best of them, but his policies couldn't work." Like I kind of, I've, I've made my peace with that. What I am curious, your thoughts are is when we do reach this point of hyper-Bitcoinization, Bitcoin is a widely accepted currency. We, we have that slogan of Bitcoin is for enemies. Mm. We talk about sovereignty and that being what Bitcoin provides, but is there not the potential for a statist class to also be using Bitcoin and have access to it? Because if Bitcoin is for enemies, it is also for those who don't agree with being a sovereign individual, whether or not they're right or wrong, that's not for me to decide. I just feel like if if that is the way they choose, and I'm curious if and how Bitcoiners like how would you feel if the US government started to turn around and saying look, we we now adopt like Bitcoin is legal tender. You can use it, but we we are going to see all these transactions that happen on US soil with Bitcoin. And people will find ways to sort of hide, scrub their identities and figure out ways to do it. Sure. But say the United States co-opted this now as sort of a state, almost having some sort of state oversight, mm-hmm. going perfectly against the sovereign individual thesis there. Like, yeah. would, would Bitcoiners run away? And in the chat as well, guys, throw it. I cannot figure out how to get your guys' comments on the screen. I am so sorry, but we will. <laughs> We'll figure this out. So if you have something to say, say Yeah,
1: I think it's a really good I think it's a really good question and I'd definitely be open to hearing a lot of people takes on it. Like so I mean, I think for me, my my personal take, and it, it could be ignorant, but it's just kind of my feeling on it, is that I think we thrive with Bitcoin as an as maintaining as an alternative asset class. I think the more in the US, if you the more the more we want it adopted as tender, we I think the more regulation that comes with that right? So the more they're going to have their hands on it, I mean, shoot, who knows FBI? I mean, what you saw like FBI may own more Bitcoin than anybody in the world. Who knows? Um, so it's like, you know, what what do we really know? You know, they could be the biggest holder of Bitcoin right now. And so they could be very pro, right? Coin in that way. And they also may be against it, right? I I don't know. I think in the US it, the, becoming legal tender, they're going to freaking tax the hell out of it. They're going to, you know, everything is, is is going to be pushed for KYC and you know I don't know I I just I like it better as a as an American as I build my wealth through the rest of my life having it as an alternative asset class that where there isn't the focus of regulation where I can store money safely outside of the system where I know I have the ability to j- jump ship and you know go to Fiji if I want to and live in a tent for the rest of my life I don't know so that that's kind of that's kind of my take I I'm I'm really scared of it becoming or getting pushed for legal tender and i know that doesn't probably align with most bitcoiners.
0: Oh, well, no that's fair. I mean i i'm of the camp where i'm like yo guys let's not do anything for a little bit with bitcoin so that i can like grow my stack and <laughs> then when i feel like my stack is enough then we can go to the moon.
1: Yeah, just that's send just- a message out like yeah, hey joe. All right, cool. We're good now.
0: Don't don't do anything. For at least 18 more yeah. months. Well, that's exactly,
1: but that that's like to my point though, right? Like let's chill. I, I'd rather Bitcoin be behind the scenes more or less. And let's not put this on billboards everywhere. Like, Hey, listen, the best alternative to your U S dollar. Like, you know what I mean? Listen, you're not going to see that. You see that billboard flying over the white house. Do you ever you know, no. Right. Unless, unless we have major problems or so, so, but I, mean, I think that's how you have to think about it, right? Like, where does this. Where does this, this energy, where is it going to? Cause everybody's quick to say, let's make it legal tender. And I don't know if you understand the consequences of that. So it's just, it's kind of my, my perspective, my take on it. I think there's, a, there's honestly a lot of power right now, having it as this alternative asset class that you have the freedom to use. And that's, that's the power of Bitcoin right now. I mean, shit, man, it, they can make things really difficult for us Bitcoiners in the U.S. if they want to, like they really can. And you know, we. Call me out on bullshit, but they can. So it. I mean, I, I enjoy the freedom now, and I'd rather have that than perhaps easier use of you know going to a you know an, an ATM. Like I don't know, make it a little more difficult for me to access, make it a little bit more challenging for me to hold, but don't freaking tax me eighty percent on it, right? <laughs> like let, let's stay away from that. And I think that's the road you're going down, right? Like that's the the slip and slide in the back of the house that leads into the lake of shit, like let's keep pushing for this. But guys, this you're, you're, you're literally driving off a cliff right now if you're not careful. So I don't know.
0: Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor BitMEX. BitMEX is one of the biggest supporters of the Bitcoin space in the last decade, actively donating to developers and putting out some of the most cited research articles. What you might not know is that BitMEX recently launched a brand new spot exchange and mobile app. That takes the experience of buying and holding to the next level. We know that, especially in uncertain market conditions, you need an exchange that is trustworthy and innovative. Sign up at BitMEX.com today, check out the BitMEX blog for some great market insights, and stay tuned to our podcast for more from their team. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyperbitcoinization global. With the inaugural European gathering this fall, Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Voss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP Whales in the Deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and three thousand four hundred ninety nine euros for VIP whale passes. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets, so you don't have to. Subscribe today at bitcoinmagazinepro.com. dot No, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean. These are these covert state attacks are slowly and surely happening. I had the the great opportunity to read a white paper that's going to be submitted to Congress by BPI, and we're going to have the authors or the author of it on the show. But one of the points they brought up is how you know you have on one side of the spectrum China, which is like this the most authoritarian state in the world and then like sort of how they've grown their GDP through that but then on the other end of that spectrum you sort of have the, the freedom of America and what that has afforded and the growth that is provided but then it highlights how throughout Xi Jinping's sort of career he has really put forward oversight and like become almost a big brother like the literal big brother in mm-hmm. China uh, and how a CBDC would essentially be exactly that. It would be the most oversight a government could ever have over citizens' monies. But it's not just the People's Bank of China that's working on this. It's the Federal Reserve as well. And I forget the exact number. I want to say it was ninety-two percent of all, like, of all the banks involved in this CBDC research. That both the Bank of China and the Federal Reserve are part of. There are other banks doing this research. Ninety-two percent of the wealth in the world is involved in these banks that are all right. working together to make a cbdc so it begs the question of they just really want to like have this insane 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 control over everyone mm. so like like i don't think you're being hyperbolic when you say like they can make our lives more difficult and and they eventually will yeah. i mean they like history doesn't repeat itself but it does rhyme and historically speaking like they have the state has made life harder Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP Whales in the Deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day 3 of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and €3,499 for VIP whale passes. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. For citizens that they don't agree with. You can literally this year look north of the border to Canada for that exact example. A bunch of people said stuff that Justin Trudeau didn't like, didn't agree with. And what did he do? He made them like outlaws essentially yeah. shut off yeah. their fucking bank accounts so
1: like what do you like i'm curious so like in your world uh because i know you actually are you know you, you're on twitter but you also live in the real world i'm like i think the majority of <laughs> people on twitter but do you like i don't it, it's mind-blowing to me like that's the, the people i'm around what it could be a random bar wherever it may be like who and they could be really educated folks but when it comes to CBDC, like, they don't, like, nobody knows anything, and they're not, they're not, like, concerned about it, I actually, it's wild, I I meant to bring it up, but, like, two days ago, my mom actually texted me, and my mom will, like, read a story, and she literally will go, like, on exile herself, because she's so scared kind of person, but, you know, she, like, she's sending me links to, like, oh, my God, have you heard about this, and I'm, like, yeah, I've been telling you about this for, like, the last, like, two years, You, you haven't really listened to me, but, Some dude writes some letter on the Guardian, and you're like, "Oh my god, I don't know." So, but anyways, I guess what I'm getting at, like, do you when you meet random people when you're talking to them, like, is this something that people are are aware of? Because I I still think, and and when I do bring it up, people are like, "Oh no, that's not that's that would never happen here." And I'm like, "Well, all signs are leading to like they're gonna want to start pushing this here." When you saw the note from the Federal Reserve, like we're researching it and all these things, like. I I don't, I'm kind of lost and maybe it's because I'm in the Bitcoin bubble world that I know about this. And I've heard about Mark Yusko screaming about it for the last couple of years, but I don't know. Is that something that, that you hear of?
0: Like specific to CBDCs?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like like people know, people know about like, like what happened to Ukraine when people are like, Hey, they're, they're fleeing and they're like, yeah, okay, well, cool. Here's like a thousand bucks. And this is the most you can withdraw and, you know, have a great life in a different world. like. That should scare the hell out of everybody.
0: Everyone. No, absolutely. I mean, specific to CBDCs with my Normie friends, like absolutely not. Like Yeah. With when I like I still have a lot of ties to normie land, if I'm being quite honest with you, and like it's it's like split. Half of my friends literally won't stop asking me about like Bitcoin or crypto related questions, and then the other half yeah. just like have no interest whatsoever in like having those type of conversations with me and it's interesting because like some of their responses are like i just like i don't care to to know or understand that and
1: ignorance is kind of thing like like
0: it it truly is like like actually on on that like i i had one of my very good friends from college like ask me is like do you feel like worse like knowing the things that you know like seeing and connecting the dots that you do not necessarily saying that like this is what's to, this is what will pass but seeing the potential calamities and I mean it is nerve-wracking but at a certain point some things just aren't like I can't stop if the governments want to roll out a CBdc I can choose whether or not I interact with that technology and how I interact with that technology. But like worrying myself over, they're gonna introduce this state-controlled monetary surveillance tech. Ultimately, no, I don't. It's out of my control. Like I've I've gotten really good about that. That's something I'm really proud of. At twenty nine years old, like
1: walking into that like nasty club at night, you're like, I could get herpes walking in this club, but I'm not gonna participate. Kind of thing. I
0: I mean when you want to say it like that, like yeah, like I I see I literally I could see it and I'm like nope.
1: Stay strong. Stay strong. Uh,
0: It it's also interesting to me, just you know, some of the bullshit narratives that people are buying too. Because it's not even that They're understanding that CBDCs are surveillance, like truly all the CBDC is, is state run money that they can see every transaction in real time. And I think actually, I I forgot to bring this point up. I think there's another thing where, again, where it comes to my normie friends, like I'm very, I come from a privileged background. I don't know any of my friends who don't have a bank account. Mm. Almost all of my friends have a credit card. Like, We've KYC'd ourselves by having these accounts in the ways that we do, and there is a degree in which I think if you were to explain, like I, I can think of like two or three of my friends off the top of my head, where if I were to just like go down this rabbit hole of the CBDC with them, they'd be like, right, but like if the government wanted to know what I'm spending all my money on, like they can just subpoena Bank of America and right. whatever bank or like whatever bank I bank with and whatever credit card I use, like a Discover card or Capital One or whatever, like they could just reach out to these businesses and subpoena and they'd get that same information with the exception of those cash transactions. But it's that at least step of friction that exists right now versus like, no, there's now going to just be someone with a government job. So think a DMV worker who is going to be watching what you spend your money on. And if you spend your money at the wrong time of day, go to the yeah. wrong place, spend it on the wrong thing, or this guy just, I don't know, slips on his fucking keyboard accidentally, like now all of a sudden, like your, your wallet's shut down. And yeah. <laughs> again, uh, my expectations is if this gets rolled out, the quality of workers in this department are akin to the DMV. So imagine now, instead of having to call like a bank where customer service is actually a part of how these banks compete with one another, now all of a sudden you have the government that doesn't care because they are everyone's bank, everyone's got to use them. Imagine getting locked out on accident, like like truly just an accident, someone pressed the wrong button. And you do not have access to your money because it's state run money but like you've got to wait in like a dmv-esque line almost to get your to get your wallet unlocked that's a scary yeah. proposition
1: it is and you know i think you don't yeah until you have a that feeling until you ever felt that i mean literally the, like real life yesterday my paypal account was hacked two factor authorization everything hacked they created a business profile they added two credit cards they still wired money out of my checking account that i had tied to it and that feeling of getting those emails it's just like being SimSwap, basically and this was happening you, literally yesterday morning i'm getting these email notifications like address changed name changed account like profile changed and then and then i got those emails and then it said payment sent payment sent payment sent i got five payments and i'm getting this in live time and i'm trying to get in and oh my, oh my god the good news is paypal as of last night they they re- refunded me all the money but when you're seeing that and you lose access to your money and then your, your whole bank account is at risk, that is an anxiety that n- most, 99% of people haven't felt that before. Right? Like, and I think if you take that parallel to CBDC, right, if you go early of COVID, right, I tried to go to the bank, I was buying a car. I needed a cashier's check. They're like, we're closed appointments only. And we're, we're booked for the next three weeks. I'm like, what are you talking about? You have my money. Like I need to, I need to get a check for it. Right. And so I think when people start experiencing that a little bit and then you say, look, this is the model of CBDC that can basically, like you said, like you're going to have control over the decisions you make with your money. Like, I, I don't know if people really understand that. So that's a that's a big thing that I love talking about because it's a it is the perfect segue right now. It's such a great conversation piece to orange pill uh, people, family members, everything like if you don't understand Bitcoin, understand the problem first. Right. And, and then it's an easy it's an easy solution. Easy answer.
0: to know if if you think like what do you think of vitalik what do you think of crypto founders in general but more specifically vitalik
1: i you know i I, i'm probably on the fence obviously a huge impact right like you can't i mean i respect success of anyone right and he's He's clearly made a huge impact. Now the the paths he's taken, you know, in some ways, I, I, I don't know, man. I, is there something specifically that you're you're trolling for, or
0: yeah. no, 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 like um, genuinely, genuinely curious. Like, I mean, I think he is. Like, I'm slowly buying into this narrative that I've created myself, and I want to start the rumor of that he's like a Vladimir Putin, Putin puppet, hmm. and that he secretly is like a deep agent for Russia and the KGB.
1: Yeah, you never know, right? I mean, but the guy's got, guy's got extreme power right now. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think when we go back to, I think the foundation of everything, if it's decentralization, if it, right, if that's the key in freedom, I mean, you're talking about a dude that has a has a lot of centralized power, right? And now his, these you know, smart contracts, everything that he's doing, everything that it's in, everywhere that's implemented, it's got he's got a ton of power. And I mean, I think there's been a lot of, Potential disruptors come in the market, but I don't know if anybody's made made a stronger case, and nobody's really, I feel, taken market share from it. So that speaks volumes in itself, right? You know, if you put all the everything else gossip aside, whatever. But real world utility, I mean, I I I don't don't know what the current volume is a day, but Jesus, dude, you've got a guy that's an absolute powerhouse. But you know, the guy's got control over over the code, right?
0: Well, that that's my whole issue is. And I've yet to get an answer that I think justifies this. So I hate Jerome Powell. I think he's just a bozo. Like he was put in a no-win situation, sure, but I think he's he sucks. Federal Reserve yeah. sucks. Should be abolished. I kind of feel like when you launch a new cryptocurrency,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and mm-hmm. and we'll keep picking on Ethereum and Vitalik.
1: Yeah
0: but all you've done like the ethereum foundation in my opinion now is just the federal reserve for ethereum and mm-hmm. vitalik in essence is just Jerome Powell
1: yeah
0: with like more power and control to be quite honest with you so i i just don't understand and there could just be the potential that some of these people don't really understand and don't agree with the idea of abolishing the fed or don't see the necessity of doing things like that yeah and if that's the case that's the case Like that's a whole separate discussion, yeah. But if that's what you believe in and that's what you want to push for, I'm curious as to why you would then just want to replace the Fed with potentially a worse version of it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't argue that at all. Like, I, I totally agree with you. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think the other side there too is like, if you are a Fed, if you're, if you're the Feds, and if you're looking for other ways to transact and. I don't know. I don't, anytime I think of the federal government, I don't think of honest transparency. And so, but I think if you're looking for lightweight speed and and ways to perhaps, you know, in, in, improve transactions, whether it's, I, I, I don't know, I don't have a really good answer on that necessarily, but I, I do agree with the fact that you're replacing one poor system with perhaps another system that's controlled by one central entity, in my opinion, that, that can be changed literally in five minutes from now, right? Like that's, that's where the argument for Bitcoin comes in. And that's why I, I, I avoid that. But I mean, do I hold ETH? Sure. Probably cause I have some transactions that I do and that require it. And that's the thing. Like if they've created so many strings with Ethereum, it's hard to, it's hard to decouple yourself as a degenerate, you know?
0: <laughs> um, Fair. I mean, I, I sometimes, like I, I was shamed on this show and throughout Bitcoin magazine conversation so much that I did eventually sell all my ETH stack. So I, I have nothing but, but corn. And yeah. actually that's not true. I lost it all in a boating accident. It's true fine. story. But like, I just feel like there's a lot of nonsense built on top of ETH mm-hmm. that when the nonsense goes and then all the value propositions that maybe do stick around, are then quickly recognized to require something like proof of work. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, where, where can we go to build this on proof of work? We'll just go build this on Bitcoin. That, that's just one man's opinion. If I'm so spot on and accurate with that, like, honestly, I should buy a lottery ticket. Someone, my buddy told me last night we were going through like all of my close calls with like COVID. Where like I was in situations where everyone around me ended up getting COVID and I I just would never test positive and I've never tested positive for COVID. Yeah. And
1: you can't test positive if you don't get tested.
0: This is this is true. This is very true. But I I did get tested. I I live with my older parents. I I do I do want to see them see their grandchildren one day. But they (laughs) my buddy put it like this. He was like, dude, the amount of close calls you've had and the odds of you just having never gotten it like you might as well just go buy a fucking lottery ticket with with those odds yeah really. (laughs) but i want to take a question from the chat because it has me cracking up i can't pull it up on the screen but i will read it and i will preface this so if you don't know lord norris like you should give you should give lord norris a follow on twitter he is arguably one of the funniest shit posters out there also if you are a single guy and need advice on like how to how to talk to and date women? Like, yeah, like, how many how many girlfriends do you have right now?
1: I, it's what hour? What hour is it? It's two o'clock. So no, you know, I just make claims to all of them until they give in. Like that's all. Like I'm just waiting for really true.
0: It's, it's honestly fresh. What was the other day? I saw Haley like sent a tweet being like, "Did you just break up with me via tweet?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, I love this for him." Yeah, it's um, a,
1: a love hate relationship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely a lot more hate. Right? <laughs>
1: the love only goes one way. I'm I literally <laughs> hell, nothing comes back.
0: No, definitely not. But from RDBTC. Oh god. Bitcoin, <laughs> you RDB. already know. Yeah. How much Bitcoin does he need or she to attract wine moms?
1: That's like an inside joke. He's not allowed to bring out, but yeah. That's I, just I,
0: like do I need more than one or less than one?
1: No, you need you need you just need to get off zero.
0: Get off! Ooh, get off! Yeah,
1: if you. (laughs) And that's all you can say, like, like wine moms don't care about how much Bitcoin you have. Like, if you just own Bitcoin and you can, you can go out to you know, to the wine shop, and you know, you you mentioned you're a Bitcoin holder. Bottles are coming. They're going to start flowing. Like,
0: (laughs) now, are these moms buying you the bottles, or are you picking up the tab?
1: Absolutely, I I have to buy. Damn, these wine moms are—they're smart. They've evolved. They're very smart.
0: I'm gonna put you on the spot. I want to hear your most absurd date story ever.
1: Oh my gosh, this is this is. You got it. All right, I'll share if you share.
0: Absolutely, (laughs) I will absolutely
1: share. Absurd, huh? Hmm. Would you? Would you like? I don't want to. Yeah. Like let's, let's laugh. No, No,
0: let's, let's laugh. (laughs) I want it to be a funny story, not a sad story. I
1: don't know if, uh, let me try to think here. Something that's, won't get you banned. Dude, I don't know. Laughing. I think they've all been pretty good. I think I'm like, I'm pretty good at due diligence. I think, although it's there, you know, there's, I think there's points in every guy's life where you maybe you're really bored and maybe it's like, okay, they have a heartbeat and they're showing me attention. I'll, I'll go out. (laughs) (laughs) all right so they like you quickly regret it like after your your testosterone comes down a little bit you're like what was i thinking like if my boy sees me out right now this is like this is not good i don't know i minor i think my minor sad i don't think i have a funny absurd date as much as i'd want to share but i don't know if i have a funny one
0: i have a lame one where A girl I went on a date with in high school, like didn't recognize her on Tinder. Like I didn't go to high school with her. She went to a different high school, but I didn't recognize her on Tinder. We matched, we went out on a date and the whole date I'm sitting there, I'm like, why are you familiar? Why are you familiar? Why are you so familiar? And I was fully convinced that she was a porn star because she was like making those like weird comments like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) the The checklist: If you ever come to LA and you talk to a girl, and she says, "Andrea, I'm not talking about you, I swear," but if she says things like, "I work in the film industry," "I live in the Valley," uh, like, like
1: red flags, red flags. Like those are
0: those are those two alone are red flag, red flag. And then she's a
1: ten, but she works in the adult film industry.
0: (laughs) Well, the the truth is there there are studios that lit, that are like on the precipice of the valley like over in like Burbank yeah. but if you're like deep in the valley then you're deep into yeah. deep into the adult film industry but i like in the middle of this day i'm thinking oh i'm on a date with a porn star and <laughs> i was a little drunk i asked her and she was like what the fuck is wrong with you like no I'm so sorry. Like, I, you just look so familiar and I couldn't figure it out. And yeah. some of the things you said, like made me think that. Yeah. And then as we started digging and I'm like, where, where'd you grow up? I was like, Oh, you're from my part. Wait. Oh my God. We did this date. Like,
1: Oh my God. <laughs>
0: senior year. Like, yeah. So that was, that was really funny. The,
1: I think that, well, like I'm in Raleigh and so the town is kind of, is not as huge. So this story might make a little more sense, but recently I had matched with somebody started talking to them for several days and then actually noticed in the group photos, like her best friend was somebody else that I had dated. And that, that's a, I, so that's, I've added that to my due diligence. Like, let's make sure like not in the same friend circle.
0: (laughs) You know what's weird?
1: You don't get that in LA. Like LA is probably like, it's, it's a massive pasture.
0: uh, I mean, You don't, but I've seen situations where people date like friends, exes and stuff. And I'm always just like, you guys are weird. Yeah, You guys are so weird.
1: Yeah. So that's my first questions right now. Like, hey, do you have a hotter friend or do you have a sister that's hotter? Like before we go down this path, like I just need to know, can you send me a photo of your friends? But what I'm really doing is making sure I haven't dated one of their friends. Like that's... (laughs)
0: how often do you get slapped or have (laughs) (laughs) like honestly at at the eric norris you should absolutely follow him because it's just he is a professional shit poster he truly Mm -hmm. is but
1: i'm just trying to help help my fellow kings like that's you know avoid traps you know live a better free life
0: all right, last last thing and then we will get back to serious conversation, sure. but one piece of dating advice to to the young kings out there. Ooh.
1: Dating advice. I think hmm one one piece. One piece of dating advice I would say is be honest. I think I think most guys probably underestimate that there's somebody that will meet them where they're at in life and I think like people come in your life to You know, I think the universe and I may get off board here, whatever, but I think the universe will bring people together in your life and that could be for two weeks or for six months or for 60 years right and I think that that develops organically. But I, yeah, I I think don't, don't underestimate that there's somebody that will, that will match with you, that will meet you not, you know, figuratively where you're at in life. And I, cause I think a lot of guys will put on fronts. They'll try to change who they, you know, I've been, I've been guilty of that. Right. And try to put themselves in a different spot and not be honest with themselves. And then, so they project that. And then when, you know, when conversations start happening, things start evolving, then the real them naturally comes out and then they find themselves not being kind of like connected and it, it goes, it goes both ways. Right. But yeah, I think that's probably my my biggest piece of advice. Did you want a funny piece of advice? or I, I was so
0: surprised that that was like legit, real, genuine. I was like fucking yeah. expecting one of your like classic lines.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, like... We-
0: <laughs> like Give, give um, me a classic line for the sake of it, but like also... I Yeah, like
1: that. wait till the third sentence to send a dick pic. Is that like... <laughs> Yeah. Like, hi, hello. Like, you know, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's, I think there's probably more frustration on my end from that, from like the just dating and intros and chats. Like, you know, everyone's like robots. They want to interview each other. Like just get it back to being, having fun. And for dudes, like, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, And I'm giving you a serious one again, but like at the end of the day, girls want to have fun. And I mean that like in all aspects, like just, just be fun and like, don't worry about everything else. Like just, have a good time, be respectful, all that good stuff. Have fun. The basis, just have fun.
0: Just make a girl laugh, guys. Yeah, yeah. There's no no reason an ugly guy like me should be batting as high above my weight and class I'm,
1: as I am. I'm also assuming that your audience is straight. Like we're saying guys and girls. So I look, you know, it's probably a good mix with with your fans. <laughs>
0: I'm never gonna recover from that one. So. I'll let you.
1: I'll let you talk on that side though, if you want.
0: <laughs> Fuck you. I mean, look. God, uh, all love is love, baby.
1: Yeah, we're totally getting canceled. All right.
0: <laughs> I mean, all right. This this actually weirdly will let me segue into it, but like, okay. look, right now there is a growing perception of what a Bitcoiner is, and it's mm-hmm. growing into this to some media outlets. I'm not I'm not saying this is what I believe. I just see it depicted from certain outlets in this way where Bitcoiners are these crazy psychopath anti-state people who tend to lean like farther right than even some typical Republicans might. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's starting to turn into this like, well, it's a Republican thing now. Look, I I'm an independent again. Thank God, I'm back to being an independent. But like, I've got plenty of friends who are registered Democrats who are Bitcoiners. I recently had a conversation, and we'll be going on a, a podcast that I will not shut up about once it gets booked. But like, the conversation I had was what we what I said earlier about how like I, I voted for Bernie Sanders. Like, I know that yeah. like Bitcoiners gonna like revolt against me when they hear that. And the statement made back to me was you'd actually be surprised by how many there are like there's actually a very silent majority of left and more more left more progressive minded bitcoiners mm-hmm. who don't fit that mold and i wonder if part of it is because you know the loudest people in the room right now are the people who who sort of are on that side yeah. but as the title suggests bitcoin is for enemies and even if it's someone who sees something on the opposite end of the political spectrum as you, they are just as entitled to Bitcoin as you are, and they can use Bitcoin just as you can. And I wonder if this polarization and the political spectrum that has now started to enter the Bitcoin space could actually be harmful for the adoption of Bitcoin, Maybe, maybe only in the short and medium term maybe in the long term, it's like Thanos and Bitcoin is inevitable and everything just will bend the knee to Bitcoin. But in this sort of intermediary, as we transition to it, do you think something like the polarization of politics that has entered the Bitcoin space will be a factor to inhibit Bitcoin adoption?
1: Hmm. I, you know, I, I think it'll grow adoption. I think it'll grow regulation at the same time in that sense. Like that's, I think that's, that's the fallback for that. Yeah. You know, and I think you're right. Like, I think the, the initial perception is, Oh, you're a Bitcoin. Like you are extreme anti-state and there probably should be an element of that. Right. Like, even if you're left, right. Like, which is kind of confusing for me, like, like ultra liberal Bitcoin folks, like it just doesn't, just doesn't make sense to me that they could be pro government and pro Bitcoin at the same time. Like it's interesting. And especially like, I love to take that path down. Like, of regulation of, of every of all things and power and control like that's to me it's weird and I'm with you I'm in I'm independent I probably I come across people will put me in that conservative right box because I love freedom guns in America like you know it's wild like you could say that to a lot of people and you know and I'll be flagged as oh you voted for Trump and you're racist like because you like freedom guns and you know like an anti-government like and it's like whoa like that's and, you know because and that's the problem in society we all want to put each other in boxes but that's why I, I really want to zoom out. And I go back to that football analogy, right? Like I want to zoom out, like everybody fight over each other. Let's go kill each other in the streets. Like we're not accomplishing anything. coin accomplishes it and we got to, we got to take ourselves out from it. But so I think it's kind of like a two-folded answer. You know, does it, does it inhibit adoption on one end? I think it I think it does on one. end. I think it doesn't, you know, I think with, with adoption through politics comes more regulation. I think it was really bold and I know we were all really pushing it when you saw, I don't know how many mayors we're up to now on getting, you know, who are receiving paychecks. And big-
0: I think it was like six, no, five. Yeah. Maybe five, six.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's, that makes a lot of noise. makes a lot of racket, but man, that's a quick way for the White House to be like, okay, whoa, let's uh, like, how are we making sure we get our fair share out of this? And we need to act fast because this is a train that's going down. Right. So kind of back to like my argument of like, let's, I'd rather this be alternative and rather this not be so mainstream because i think at the end of the day we all can benefit and win from it as it, as it is today sure we want we want every we want all our friends the people that we care about and hey even our enemies to invest in it however at the same time we want to kind of walk that fine line and that's that's why i'm here to say i'm not necessarily pro US tender in the US so for for bitcoin that is but so yeah that, that's kind of my take on it
0: no, that's fair. I'm going to keep us zoomed in so now you can just like really see how much better looking I am than Lord Paris. Wow. <laughs> oh, I got to like
1: I got to take a photo of this cuz this is just <laughs> how, how can I How can I take a photo? I can I take a selfie with us?
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, you're not wrong and it's I wish I wish I had just the clip on hand, but I remember after the presidential election, there was a clip that came out of Kamala Harris entering the wherever all the senators sit in that room. And she walks in and Lindsey Graham, who I think is the most spineless snake out there. Like Lindsey Graham is like the worst. Like I hate Lindsey Graham more than I hate Ted Cruz and I hate Nancy Pelosi. Like that is the realm of people that I despise is like the Nancy Pelosi's and the Lindsey Graham's just spineless, spineless cuck. And they were like fist bumping and like, and I'm just sitting there like, Oh, that's right. Cause they probably go to the same country club or like they like, I've had dinners and lunches together. Like they're not, they're in a different circle and club and
1: that's operate. Like, yeah, I I'm with you. I went to the local, the County here, the GOP event for North Carolina. And I was invited to. I, I was I was asked to run marketing for a, for a congresswoman, and and so I just went to kind of like I, I wanted to entrench myself in it, right? I wanted to be open minded, and it's absolutely that was probably one of the most eye opening events I've been to politically, as well as just dude. I walked away so like I kind of re, I walked away freaked out just seeing how these politicians are all robots. Like if you don't fall into their bullet points and their game plan you will be excommunicated from the GOP. Like it's, it's, it's wild. I mean, mean, we're talking everything. I mean, I would, I would walk up to these candidates and ask them different things. Like, Hey, how are you going to help small business? How are you going to, what's up with our economy? What do you think is this? You know what I mean? And it's just like, they take the same fact sheet and they come back and it's like, Jesus, dude, you guys aren't thinking for yourself. And then, you know, and you start challenging them. They're like, yeah, well, you know i can't really say those things on stage because then i'm going to lose my financial support so i got to go along with things and so i'm that's where i love when i love getting into somebody who's like a super liberal i'm like look i don't care which side of the aisle you are on if you want to put me in that gop box like look i'm here to tell you i went in that world and i walked out scared as hell thinking we have no control like our votes are just going to the people that are doing the same shit over and over again and like the the person that stands out right you know, maybe like a Bernie, right? Or anybody who stands out against those things, you're like, shit, they're never going to stand a chance, man. Totally. Bernie never win.
0: win." To even like strengthen what you're, what you're talking about. There's an old saying that I remember a a Republican friend of mine told me after the 2016 election and it's Republican or Democrats fall in love and Republicans fall in line. And Mm -hmm. what he meant by that was he meant in the context of candidates and policy where Democrats will fall in love with a certain candidate. In 2008, it was Barack Obama. In 2016, it was Bernie Sanders. But then when they don't get that candidate, they don't care to continue sort of the Mm -hmm. process of voting forward for those ideas Yeah. versus Republicans. And I don't care what you think, But if you don't think that Republicans literally fall in line, you're Mm -hmm. wrong. And I will provide two perfectly, honestly, more than two, but I will provide you the examples. First, in 2016, Donald Trump called Ted Cruz's wife ugly. He called him the son of the Zodiac killer accused him of being the Zodiac killer. He... During the GOP primaries, bashed, berated, and attacked Lindsey Graham, released Lindsey Graham's cell phone number to the public to the point where Lindsey Graham had to change his cell phone number. Those two gentlemen became some of Trump's strongest supporters the moment he received the GOP nomination. I'm sorry, but that's pretty spineless if you ask me. Then there was the, the nomination of Justice Kavanaugh. And up until that point, I will be honest, I, was, I, n- I had never voted just one party line on an election. And I think the way I saw that handled and the people around me and the conversations that I had, it, it was a very disappointing system to just see, oh, all the Republicans just yet again fell in line. However you believe, whatever you believe about the way that happened, you are entitled to that belief. I just simply want to point out that instead of any real thoughtful conversation, pushback or dialogue around these topics, the Republicans all just fell in line. And that, that is dangerous to your point, as you bring up, like these, these politicians who are just like, no, you know what? I, I believe that. Like what you're telling me, I do believe it. Mm-hmm. But I will lose my job if I say this. That's a dangerous thing. Because now we're no longer putting forward people with values; we're simply propagating the ideas of people and powers that, like, I don't, I don't decide who's in charge of the GOP. I don't, I don't decide who's in charge of the DNC. Like, it's this is crazy. This is truly. It's it's gotten to a point where we've lost the plot.
1: Well. I'm with you i don't mean to cut you off too but it, it it's just it's so powerful especially when you see the the way the fundraising works and for the, the the people that are picked and the endorsements in today's world it is god dude it's it's so bad like I, the candidates here in north carolina that I, I was potentially gonna go against and i mean it's when you see them get endorsements like for example i was i was very privy to trump's endorsements kind of here in the southeast And these are people you're talking who never, he would never, he never even spoke to like Trump never talked to these folks. And he's, he's coming out and putting endorsements out. And it comes down to like the, it's money, right? Everything's money. And these guys, no clue what they're really standing for. As long as they get the green light from the GOP, the GOP says, Hey Trump, this is the guy you need to say, give the thumbs up to because he's the safest choice. Right. And they're going to protect our, our Bible. And man, when you see that happen in real life, and then you're fighting for somebody who's like, you know, Coming from a communist country, who cares about freedom and sees all this shit that's going on, and like wants to stand up for that? Whew, never gonna win. You're never gonna win. So
0: it's, it's it's so sad how people have been brainwashed.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, and that goes on both sides, right? Like you know, it, it's so it's tough. So like for me, when I see like I take this perspective, and then I go on Twitter and I see somebody like, oh, the you know, we are the leftist revolution of Bitcoin, and then I see that we are the right conservative. Rev- I'm like, guys. You guys are all like, you're fighting for somebody who doesn't give a shit about what you think, honestly, because they're going to do whatever they want. But, and so that's where I kind of want to, as an independent, I want to set myself apart from that. I, and that falls right in line. That's why I think we're, you know, you go to a Bitcoin conference, we talk about all these things, like you, you're surrounded by people who may lean different directions politically for whatever reason. And I think it, it, it boils down to what impacts you, right? Like Q, you've, you have your passions and what you believe in basically, but that, it's based on what's has impacted you in your life or what may impact you in the future. And so that's why I love meeting everybody, no matter where they stand on. I'm never going to like not want to talk to somebody because they have different views of me. You know, hey, look, change my mind, like change my mind on anything. Like I'm open to it. But, you know, look, my family came from Cuba They they got, you know, I got to see and hear stories of of everything that happened there. And so when I when I'm here, like there's so immigration is a topic that it probably impacts me more than you know, Billy down the street who's lived in North Carolina his whole life for the last, you know, his family. So that's why I think everybody gets riled up, but we lose, we lose sight of the big picture. So I think if, if there's a, if there's somewhere I can go on, I don't know if that's my message to the world, like zoom out, right. Freaking zoom out.
0: No, I, I think you, you hit the the head on the nail there. Like we're allowed to disagree with each other. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to literally think the exact opposite of me especially given the fact that you have not lived my life and I, nor have I lived yours. And again, there's this lack of respect over this idea of my opinions are just that, they're opinions. No, nothing I believe is actually a fact. Like I, I'm one of those crazy people who thinks we live in a simulation. And when when I think of life through that scope and I kind of recognize like, oh, what I see and how I see it, how I absorb life, is just my bias, my tint on the world. You could literally be standing right where I'm standing and you will see different things just because that is who you are. And And that's the beautiful thing about life. I talk a ton about weed, I smoke a ton of weed. I'm a huge psychedelics fan. And I, I had this conversation recently with a friend where I was like, my whole perspective on the world, like I can literally point to and be like, oh, before I took my first ever trip and after, I see the world differently. You open your eyes to the idea that there is there's more than just the one or two ways you see the world. There are actually infinite ways to interpret it. Um, and I read this quote that I thought was fascinating. I'm going to butcher it because the book is in the in my bedroom. But it, it essentially goes something along the lines of like, we are not what well, we are. We are not who we think we are. We are who we think other people think that we are and that's like such a crazy concept because we we've like lost sight of what our personal perspective is sometimes i don't know i'm rambling again i'm going to bring it back to bitcoin
1: i got a question in the chat oh hit me what's the biggest risk to bitcoin you see in the next six months
0: Oh, in the next six months, I would say some sort of a state led attack, some sort of policy measure that is not fully thought through. I think in the next six months, that is a, a genuine potential thing to obstruct Bitcoin. And that could yeah. be across the spectrum of banning transactions they won't do, banning mining outright they won't do, to little things like trying to phase out proof of work. Which I think is a very scary and real possibility.
1: Do you think this is going to be? I'm I'm curious. Do you think the next this next major election round? Like, do you think do you see Bitcoin being any kind of topic of that? Are we still too early for that? You think
0: like this upcoming midterms in two months? Yeah, I think in a handful of races, but not enough to where it tips the scale on the national sense. Like there might be a politician running for a like congressional seat in DC or a Senate seat in DC that yep. may run and say some stuff about Bitcoin. And there will definitely be state legislators that will run on Bitcoin platforms, whether they say positive or negative things about it. I definitely, I'm in the camp that thinks in 2024, the president is going to talk about crypto. Unfortunately, right. I, I definitely am in the camp that it's gonna be DeSantis and Newsom. So that means that one one, if not both of them, will not actually end up being the nominee for president because there's no way I get those picks right. And both of them have pushed forward crypto-oriented legislation in their respective states. They've both accepted money from crypto businesses. So this tells me that. If if those are literally the Democrat and Republican running for president, crypto is on the national stage by twenty twenty
1: four. Pretty
0: big. yeah. I'll I'll be really easy, lame and simple and just toss the questions right back to you. Of like next six months, what is the biggest thing that you worry about for Bitcoin? Yeah, I,
1: I think for well. It almost for me, it's like, it's not necessarily Bitcoin itself. I think it's the market, right? I think the next six months is going to be, I'm really, I mean, everybody, right? And I think that's where I'm also really grateful and blessed to be in this like bubble of crazy Bitcoin world, because I think we're, we get to stay ahead of, of the markets. You know, I think most of the world didn't foresee like where we're at today going to happen, but anyways, I think the next six months, it's really overall the market, right? Like as much as we hate to say it, it, you know, it's still correlated to, to the condition of of everything, right? And supply chain, just our traditional trading markets and so on. so I, for me, it's, uh, you know, uh, know, it's all argued if we're living in a recession today, if we're not, it's coming, what does that look for? But I don't think we've seen, I don't think we've seen hardly any of the consequences from all the money printing, all the stuff going overseas yet and supply chains truly be broken. I think in the next six months, we're going to, there's going to be a bit of a squeeze on that. And whatever happens to the market, Bitcoin's going to, you know, it's going to, it's going to have a short-term impact on it. How much that goes, I don't know. I, I kind of like in the back of my head, spiraling around too, is like what happens with these Bitcoin mining companies? A lot of them have been really hurt the last 12 months, as much as we want to, you know, admit that. And they've gotten weak, you like, there's layoffs and there's out of, going out of business. And just look at what they're trading. It's, it's, it's taken a the market's taken, you know, yeah. And look, let's zoom out. This is a short term blip in the radar, you know, if we're talking to 10 year, 20 year span, but yeah. So, I mean, I think we're still on that decline and for, you know, the way I look at it the next six months is I, I look at it as buying opportunities really for, for Bitcoin and, and to be able to, to stack more. I don't think I'm still a little, I'm short term, a little bearish on Bitcoin because of that. So the next six months, I I think we'll still, we'll see a little, a little, little downward channel on it some. And then, but nonetheless, I, I really, I think we'll be in that 15 to 20 range for another year and a half, year, year and a half. I don't, you know, I think you got, you got a lot going on midterm elections, this state of our economy, things like that. So where people are gonna be figured out. I think, I think a lot of, I think we're, we're really cash heavy as a society right now. You know, it, it, I think it's scared. A lot of people are scared to be trading. A lot of people are, you know, it's kind of those dark ages of the bull market. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so funny how Twitter evolves overnight from bear to bull market. And, you know, the, the stories you heard when we were, you know, I still have my laser eyes, right? Like we're still going to a hundred thousand, you know?
0: I, I still do. I I put a new profile picture on and I made sure to put the lasers eye, oh, laser nice. eyes on it.
1: Stay strong. We're the only ones like we're unicorns, bro. And uh, maybe don't go around LA saying you're a unicorn, but you might pick up the wrong crowd. Honestly, anyway,
0: people, people in LA will love that.
1: <laughs> Your kind of people. Yeah. Oh.
0: It's interesting you bring up macro. I've been trying to avoid the macro conversation, but I live for them.
1: No, I'm scared to have it with you.
0: No, I mean, uh, let's start with this. So inflation has two levers that can be pulled, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think personally that inflation is caused 100% by the demand increase, I do think there are supply chain issues as, as you highlighted. If we've heard about over two years, personally, I've put the ratio of how much of a ratio of 100% of supply to demand. Personally, I'd say it's about 25% supply, 75% demand that has driven inflation. What would be your just, I'm just guessing, guesstimate. This is not like I've like done due diligence, to like dive into like actually like numerically. Like, no, I pulled those figures out of my ass because that's why it's 25 and 75. What would you, what is your best guess? What is your estimate?
1: You're saying 75 supply?
0: 75% of inflation is caused by uh, demand, 25% being caused by supply.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. I, I think I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. I, I could agree with that.
0: Are there certain things that you're paying attention to, like price-wise, um, other than obviously getting some... Bitcoin for under t- sub twenty k. Although again, not financial advice. Like we don't actually know or be- like. I have a thesis that I think Bitcoin will actually go below that, but remains to be yeah. seen. Do your own due diligence. Do your own research. If you want to know where I'm deriving my thesis, go look up what Elliott waves are. It'll be really helpful to help you map this out. Um, Something I'm
1: watching outside of Bitcoin, or just like yeah. from the bar- on the economy. Like I mean, just because of what I do behind the scenes. Like I'm, I, I definitely am. Importation of goods, like that's uh, you know you talk. I know earlier you talked about Nvidia and right and chips and things like that. But it actually uh, it's been on my radar since the tariffs, since Trump's tariffs went into play, and the increase of of shipping goods in here. I mean, I think that for me started a lot of it created a lot of challenges, right? So you're talking about something that took you know if you're if you're shipping a pallet from China four years ago that used to cost cost you maybe a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars. You're looking at now with, you know, tariffs that are still into play, demand, shipping, cl- inflation. You're talking something that used to cost $1,000. That's now 2500 bucks, And that's real. We're like, we're real. This is real talk. And so you take that to small, medium-sized businesses in the U.S. So, like you're, that's a quick way to, for inflation, right? And, and increased costs and services and where people don't understand. They're like, you know geez, anything and everything, right? Like you're talking about to paint your house used to cost, you know, you could, you could get away at $15,000 $2,000. It's four or $5,000 now. There's so many things. So for me, like I'm watching that and I think come midterms, I am really curious to see if, you know, what, if this gets any attention, things like that. So that's a big deal. I think it, I think it impacts a lot of businesses that we don't know. I think you see some, you'll see some things pop up on the radar with, you know, boats sitting in the water that are waiting to port. Yeah. Those are, it's important to, to track. I don't know how much that is true. You know, when you see those 10,000 boats sitting at port off the U S coast, I, yeah, geez, I don't know. Take it at face value, I guess. But yeah, for me, that's when we talk about the economy and things coming in, it's a big concern for me.
0: Dude, I... Long Beach is literally, like, the port of Long Beach is a 20, 25-minute drive from where I live in L.A., and it, it was crazy during that period where the, the ships were just all over the yeah. bay and in the ocean. Dude, like, the part of, I live on a peninsula, and it literally, I, I see, that that is L.A. over there, Long Beach over there. I can't even see Long Beach, so I don't really see these ships cargo ships when they come in yeah. dude when i tell you the whole there is a, a giant bay where like literally the north end is malibu you go down to santa monica then the south bay like this is los angeles the ocean of los angeles covered like you couldn't go more than like a five degree turn and you would just constantly see cargo ship it was nuts like it was overwhelming and and nerve wracking they had to pass a lot of laws over in long beach to allow for the cargo ships to unload containers at a much faster rate like there was a whole bunch of random weird things going on but it's been a nightmare to say the least
1: yeah it's it's well i think and then you keep running with that right you're like shit and then the stuff they did with the truckers and like it's you're like this is scary this is like scary for me
0: there there's also and this is something that i'm I keep waiting for the other shoe of this to drop and I'm starting to feel like I'm going to sound like an egotistical asshole when I say it like this, but I'm starting to feel like Michael Burry, who's like making the call on the crash, of the housing market, but he did it like way too early. And all of a sudden, like it finally works out. And I've been, I've been saying like, you know, the the rising cost of fuel has not, Changed the cost of your goods yet? Like, those cost of goods prices, like the inflation we saw in food, for example, that was happening before the price of fuel started going up. So, we still haven't seen the spillover effects of these high gas and fuel prices. And so, I'm genuinely concerned that like inflation will then start picking up in other areas, despite maybe like a decrease in, in gas. I'm interested to see I think the next month's inflation reading. I'm interested to see the next like 6 months. I read something interesting. I forget. I forget now which block of time it was, but during a period of inflation there were 6 months of consecutive decreasing inflation before the new highs were hit. So seeing something like that that's like okay. Yeah. We could literally go to the end of 2022, continue to see decreasing inflation and still have the potential for it to turn around at the top of the year and just shoot right back up.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, and I I almost would like to say like, you know, you you talked about the two levers for inflation, right? You've got supply and demand. I almost want to put in like, I almost, I, I think I want to make a meme of this, of like a third lever being mainstream media, right? Like I, you know, nothing, right? And say you run an apartment building. You know, absolutely nothing about supply demand. You turn the news on, you hear record inflation today, 9.8%, rent increases like crazy. And what do you do as a property manager? You go, you go back to your office in the morning and you go, we're raising our rates 5%. <laughs> and supply and demand didn't change at all. Literally, it's the buzz. It's us talking about it. It's it's what you saw on the on business show. And I think that's what happens because... I was impacted by it. I went to my property manager. I was like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, well, you didn't see the news? Inflation. They didn't talk about like, well, we have less apartments. We got more people trying to move in. (laughs) Like it was, uh, I saw the news, it went up 10%. So we could charge more, five more percent. And it's literally like a, it's that media lever, which I think is the unspoken figurative lever there. But I think it it goes back to, you know, I think it's like kind of what you just said. Like I'm, I'm interested of, of, of the, what the rate comes out right? Because you're, but you're, you're probably more from a macro. you like, this is going to have an impact on the markets, things like that when they see that. But I think real world boots on the ground. It hits, it hits real world America before, like you said, we haven't seen the impacts of this, but geez, it goes, it goes from the news to to my grocery store faster than anything else.
0: Like, Dude, it, the cost of food is just getting so out of hand and it's that old saying that we brought up, I brought up countless times on this show, like you're three meals away from a revolution. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's all we really are. And we were having this conversation. So I'm going to dox my mom a little bit, but my mom works at Macy's. She just, you know, sales sales lady on the floor. And she's been complaining a lot about the robberies and specifically how like race Macy's has been getting robbed a lot more recently. And it's like, Gotten to a point where, you know, she won't give her hot, like her clients who buy like really expensive jewelry from her. She won't give them like the jewelry bags to help them hide it, out of fear of them getting jumped when they walk outside. And then like, there's another tidbit of information that like Macy's security guards are not allowed to put their hands on someone, even if they're like trying to rob the place. Yeah. And these robbers now know it, so they they have no shame. Like people, people are literally jumping over the counters, going into like the private area for these employees, and just grabbing bags out of there and then just walking right out. Yeah. Some guy apparently walked in with a fucking black trash bag and just was like cut the thing on all of the sun I mean, the purses went over to the sunglass area, put all the sunglasses, and just like no one stopped him. Like That's employees were taking stuff. video
1: low overhead business to go just steal stuff
0: and resell it. And the thing for me, the way I'm reading this is the situation has gotten so bad for people that this is how they think that this is the only way I'm going to be able to put food on the table for my family. Um, Look, sure. There are some people who are doing this because they're just, you know, really shitty people. Mm -hmm. There's a degree in which I believe the increased rate of these crimes can also be drawn proportionally to increase in the price of just necessities now. I think when where it will worry me is when people start to have more audacity to start going into people's homes. I'm gonna be crass when I say it like this. Like I do not support crime, robbery. I think it's stupid. Don't do it. Crime does not pay. Like I'm a big believer in karma. But I also like like my dad and I have had the conversation with my mom where it's like, do not get involved. Like this is, these aren't your things. Like this is Macy's like Macy's is going to be just fine. They have insurance on this. They will be just fine. But you do not need to get involved for the sake of your safety. And I hope all these businesses that like, dude, the reports come out of LA a lot. Like we see these things. Like I, I see firsthand these stories of people just getting jumped, robbed all the time. But I think when, when we start seeing more reports of people breaking into other people's homes, that's when I think that's going to be the time for me that it, like, we've really lost the plot and yeah. it's gotten really difficult for people that that's, that's what they're measuring as the best source of an income. Yeah. And it, and part of it, and you know what I, I will say, like, I think all the stimulus is stupid. And I think people did get a little too accustomed to an, an unemployment check that, Like I will never forget when I first got laid off and I got my first unemployment check and it was more than my salary as a full-time second year agent. It floored me that I was, wow, I was being paid that little. The money was like, besides the point though, like those, those little things I think ultimately will lead to more crime. But it's when the crime shifts from the businesses to the individuals, I do hope all these criminals end up just going and buying Bitcoin. Threat. Oh that that reminded me, it, it triggered me about how yesterday we had the conversation about Bitcoiners. Like, if you're a criminal, like using Bitcoin is the stupidest thing you can do, in my opinion, because it's a public ledger. I want to talk about the campaign financing thing that you actually brought up because I've long actually believed that if on the political stage and even just our US government were to use Bitcoin then we can at least see the transaction. We can see where this money is coming from and going out to. Whereas right now it's the government that gets to control and dictate sort of who's, whose transactions are going to be shared and what information about the transaction gets shared. Like they control that. So when we ask them like, Hey, can we know like what happened to the billion dollars right after 9-11 that just disappeared? Like we we don't talk about that a whole lot. I I actually think it was a trillion dollars then. There was a there was a very large number that was more than a billion. Either a trillion, it was either a billion or a trillion, where the U.S. government just lost this money, and no one ever like had an answer of like where it went. Guess what solves Uh that? Bitcoin. Bitcoin literally would be like, nope. You actually sent this money to like these accounts, and these accounts just turned out to be, oh, interesting. So. Not going to go down those rabbit holes we did the honestly i don't really care it's a q show today so we'll talk about whatever the fuck i want what is so, your favorite
1: I, well oh, i can i could play on that like one of the challenges like because we were trying to accept bitcoin for campaign that i was going to that i was going to be a part of i never officially did but so we we had we had conversations and one of the big challenges was if you're a donor and say for example you donate a thousand dollars and bitcoin is you know one bitcoin is at twenty thousand dollars and at the end of the campaign if Bitcoin is at $40,000 and that, you know, that $1,000 you donated is now worth four grand, basically. I don't know if I did the math there. I don't cancel me if I did, but so, right. If, so if your Bitcoin has increased in value that you donated at the, at the initial time of your donation and when the campaign is over and if that politician were to return, you know, that's the question. What do you do with these funds now, right? And they're also fully tracked, right? So if you have everything tracked, that that politician received $10 million in donations and now you've got a ledger that shows you spent $7 million, what happens to that other three million dollars today? Legacy world, that politician's buying a new house in L.A., baby, looking at ships in the port. But if that's all on a ledger, and you've got a bunch of degenerates who are will spend time making a Twitter thread of like every purchase this politician's made, and hey, where's the three thousand, three million dollars of that, you know, that money anyway? So that's one element of what happens. What do you do with that? I guess that, you know, that increase or even decrease, right? So hey, I, I gave you a, I gave you ten thousand dollars. And now it's only worth $5,000. And now, so do I take the hit of that when, when the campaign's over? I don't know. And then also, you know, so there's a lot of things that make it difficult to accept Bitcoin as a politician. It, it's I think it's a business opportunity for somebody to figure out and be able to kind of hold, manage, and then distribute accordingly. But it's tricky. A lot, you know, as much as I think Ted Cruz probably will go out next campaign. I think he or me, me, me already, I think he currently maybe accepts Bitcoin. But it's going to be, I think the risk is on the politician as well, because what happens if you, what happens if your campaign fund goes down 40% in a week? Like that's hard to operate on.
0: You brought up Ted Cruz. So I'm going to bring up Ted Cruz now. Yeah. Do you think that Ted Cruz is actually a net positive for Bitcoin?
1: For votes. I think it's, he's in it for votes.
0: Yeah. You, I knew. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're one of the same. I I appreciate I appreciate you. I mean, I'm I've said it time and time again. Ted Cruz is the biggest grifter out there. Yeah,
1: the other you'll see other. I think that it, maybe not some probably in the midterm, but I, I think you're going to see other people jump on the train. And They're going to see the exposure that it's it's gained him in the Bitcoin community and different like a lot of voters. And you've got these hardcore single voters on Bitcoin. Like you're going to see that's going to that's going to catch more attention, and you're going to see more of it.
0: No, well, that makes sense. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with the midterms as far as how how large of a stage Bitcoin takes. But again, I'm going to reiterate that if it is Newsom versus DeSantis in 2024, like there's no reason that Bitcoin and, frankly, crypto won't be a talking point, especially in those debates, given that both of them have passed legislation yeah. to to help those types of businesses in their respective states. Eric, yeah. as as we wind down here. I wanna I wanna ask you sort of a couple a couple fun little questions. First things first, Amsterdam. What's your favorite thing to do? What do you think about when you think of Amsterdam?
1: I think like everybody else thinks about they think about queue on a beach chair, folding beach chair in the back, <laughs> smoking a fat J. Like I've actually never been to Amsterdam.
0: Really, same. So the fee- the company won't let me go because they're now afraid that I'll never come back to America.
1: <laughs> that's right there. That's probably there. Yeah. Is Eric. that where the red light district is? Just side yes. note, it is. Okay. Yes, yes. I've heard about that. It,
0: oh, have you? Yeah, have you? Did, did you go on one of your famous dates there?
1: <laughs> no, I pre- I pretty much probably just lost every opportunity for a date just now by saying that. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm, I'm sure if you if you ask nicely, Natalie and everyone will will forgive you all of your your seven wives.
1: Yeah, we've gotten this far, so they're still holding strong.
0: Lord Norris, how can everyone stay up to date with your shit po- posting and all uh, of your yeah. crazy antics?
1: I, I guess I, I publicly dox myself, but yeah, it's the Eric Norris at uh, on on Twitter. That's yeah, so I'm there. I'm pretty. You
0: know could much- change that, right?
1: <laughs> I, sh- I probably should, because you can Google me way too easy and see the stupid stuff.
0: I mean, if you if you haven't had a chance to take a look at the thread that we made for Eric on like his background. <laughs> I highly, highly recommend it, especially after a joint or a beer. Yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I put some good. serious work into that.
1: It, it, it's it's really good. I I need to figure out where I can put that, like on a resume <laughs> or something. Like it's really good. But where you like? What are you doing? Are you tra- like? Are you traveling? Like, weren't I, I? Would think you'd be in Austin this week.
0: No, I so I just got back from Nashville for two weeks. We did a lot of filming for Bitcoin Magazine there. My big trip at the I end of the
1: UK year was there. Right? Were you there with yeah. Okay.
0: Well, CK, I'll, I'll dox this. He he lives in Nashville now.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't
0: know. I'm, I'm not shy about doxing him like that. Doxing? But no, Maya. Actually, I I'll, I'll share this news. So I'm going to be going to the World Cup finals, but not what? just like a random match. I'm going to the semifinals and the finals. For um, gaming,
1: for like Call of Duty.
0: No, like the like FIFA World Cup. Oh, like nice. <laughs> you literally don't care. I'm a huge Neither soccer. Part. I'm such a soccer fan. Like I played soccer in college. Like love, love, love the sport. The world cup is remarkable. I'm excited. It's a bucket list thing for me, not cheap. So I canceled all travel for the rest of the year after I got those tickets. But yeah. Yeah.
1: How long are you going? Is it a week?
0: I'm just going going for a week, but might do some other traveling since I'm like right there next to the homeland. So might might need to pop by to, to say hello. But Lord Norris, I want to thank you again for your time. Thank you for joining us. Please, please, please give him a follow. It's always a good time over on Twitter. Thank you again for joining us, brother.
1: Yeah, man. See ya.
0: Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global. With the inaugural European gathering this fall, Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Voss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP Whales in the Deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket, and 3,499 euros for VIP whale passes. The censorship resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store, or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.